Sir Joseph stepped out and became the guardian. Stands in the gap. We call the Holy. And we don't hear of anything else that he did. It's quite clear. We don't hear it. True to the cultural setting, covenant promises were made. Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 21. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. How do you respond when you get devastating news? I'm not just talking about the daily discouragement. Maybe some of us have been devastated by the consequences of COVID, the loss of loved ones, certainly the loss of time spent with loved ones. And even at this Christmas season, the verse that comes to mind is, hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are many people who perhaps might still understand why we needed to go into tier four at this crucial time in the progression of the virus. Maybe they are somehow so disappointed that they, they don't want to find reasons, but just simply are so broken, so devastated, and so disappointed. Um, and it's not just the run of the course of things, it's tough enough for anybody. But imagine those who are shut in, elderly, longing to reach out, touch, and embrace their loved ones. Grandparents who have not seen their grandchildren yet. Terminally ill, who have been denied potentially their last Christmas on this earth. And you know, there is no amount of human audacity short of stupidity that would try to say anything clever in situations like this. But thank God we are not left with merely human words as comforting as they can be to a certain extent. We have a Bible story in which Joseph faces the devastation of all devastations. Very little is written about him. Very little is known about him. Church tradition adds quite a few things. We might be able to assume that Joseph was a little older than Mary. That's based on the fact that a little later on in the Gospels, he, he is no longer mentioned and presumed to have gone to be with the Lord. 
But we have a few words which give us insight, not only in the depth of his, to the depths of his devastation, but the character that emerges in a time of testing. How do you respond? I'm not very good at responding to the minor irritations of life. The major problems and difficulties go way beyond the day-to-day -day inconveniences when we should have gone off to the shop to get that wrapping paper before all of this. Or we just thank God that somebody had the presence of mind to grab a turkey when one <laughs> was available. No, but I'm talking about deep disappointment. So it, it, here we have a man who is betrothed to Mary, and it's a slightly technical thing, but back in that day in Jewish tradition and Jewish culture, the betrothal, the engagement, was the point at which the marriage vows were made. Um, and that, that relationship, that commitment could not be broken except perhaps for one thing. If during the betrothal period, it was found that there was marital unfaithfulness. And so the scripture here is quite clear, right true to the cultural setting. Covenant promises were made, but the couple did not come together and live together in sexual relationship until after, well after the betrothal period. And in between that time, Joseph discovers that his wife is pregnant. Now he knows one thing. It had nothing to do with him. Therefore, there was a third party that could be assumed to have violated, come into this covenant of companionship this most sacred of all human commitments, to the point where he was considering his legal options to divorce her. In other words, to say, we're not going to go any further with this marriage. But then you see, he, he loved her. And he was a man with a just heart, compassionate. So he said, I'm, I'm going to do this quietly so as not to put her to shame. And as he's considering these things, there's, there's so many hints here. Clearly compassionate, clearly a man who wanted to deal justly and compassionately. And he's considering these things, which means that he was open to anything else that might clear away the haze the confusion that comes from such an apparent betrayal as this. And he waited, very important, that we don't take rash decisions, especially under pressure. It's so easy to cave in just before the breakthrough happens. And I, I, I want to encourage you all, you who are here, those who are watching online, 
Take courage. Persist, persevere. <laughs> I suppose it's not too much of a public confession to say that I feel like, I'm sure many of you, totally fed up with all this ups and downs. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's such a test because it seems to change and, 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 and the, the goalposts change. But hang in. Wait. Look for compassionate way. Look for the right way. And wait as you ponder things. Now, I can't prove it, but I'm pretty sure that as Joseph, being a godly man, he would have been talking to the Lord about it. I don't know how you talk to the Lord when you're in such pressure. Do you, do you have a kind of angry attitude? Now, you may not have the temerity to look God in the face and say, that's another fine mess you've got me into, Lord, in the laurel and hardy fashion. Or maybe you, you, you kind of project that onto other people and start to blame everybody. You know, there's a certain personality that looks at difficulties and says, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. And that's this very outward turning of anger and frustration to blame people, blame situations. But others turn inwardly. And, and, and they don't blame others, but say, well, it must be my fault. I'm not worthy of things to work out well. It always goes this way. It always ends up this way. What's wrong with me? And so they, they turn blame inwardly, and, and that kind of self-blame leads to self-shame and a crushed self-esteem and a crushed spirit. Well, whatever your personality type, whatever your tendency is, let me say to you, wait for God. See what God is going to say and what God is going to do. Now, after some time, we don't know how long, I'm pretty sure it seemed a very long time to Joseph, looking for a resolution. But the answer came in a dream. Now, okay, look, the, the Bible here is at one of the peak points of Revelation, where there are angels popping in and out, it seems, and there are prophecies being fulfilled. There's an explosion of divine manifestation and fulfillment, which is about to culminate in the birth of God incarnate. So, yeah, maybe we would expect at such a time as that for there to be extraordinary manifestations of divine guidance and wisdom. And therefore, I just say that because it won't always be an angel standing in front of you. Uh, it may not be. Now, I, don't please write in and put on, on the, the, the chat line, oh, I've seen angels. I'm not saying they don't appear, but, but I just want you to know that there are so many ways in which God speaks. He spoke to me recently in a dream, and the dream was so real that I could describe it now, and if I did, I would be able to go on and on. It is about life beyond the lockdown. It is the return of God's people to the house of God. 
It, it, it is going to be a time of, of a new freshness from the Spirit of God. We're going to meet brothers and sisters who have come to Christ during COVID, who've been linking online, and also people coming from the street for the party atmosphere and the celebration in the house of God. Nobody knows how to throw a party more than almighty God in celebration of his son and of his kingdom. But the answer came to Joseph in a dream. And the answer will come. Now, again, I want to put a, a caveat here so as not to give a false impression. You know, Joseph discovered that not only was God present in his circumstances, but God in some way, which is difficult for us to grasp, easier in this story because it's so obvious, but don't forget we have the end of the game here. here. The God was in it all and God was working out something Something that 2,000 years later, we are celebrating, I believe, with a clarity and a conviction similar to those in the first century. For the Holy Spirit makes this so real in our hearts and lives. It's more real than we can explain or express. There is a conviction from God that the gospel is the truth that Jesus is the answer, that God's kingdom is coming despite the darkness and the gloom, despite world trends. And if we had any talented futurist here that was a, a good trend predictor, they, they would say that the world is heading into a whole range of domino effect experiences which are by and large negative. But as we say that today, we can face the future with confidence because God is in it all. And we're not hopeless victims of external circumstances and pressures. We're in the hands of God who works out everything ultimately in accordance with his will. Sometimes it only becomes obvious later. Very hard to find that clarity and perspective in the midst of suffering and confusion. But I've already begun, I'm sure you have also, to reflect on what 2020 has done for us. What it has done in us. I'm not talking about the ne negatives. I'm talking about how we have chosen to respond to the negatives to face the situation square, to be there for one another, to understand that church really only in a secondary sense applies to a building. Church is not just a building. In fact, it is the building of God's people in relationship. I don't know if you remember, and I'm sure you do on Easter Sunday when the Archbishop of Canterbury conducted the communion service for the whole nation from his kitchen table. I loved it. I loved it. Far better than the high altars, falsely called, of cathedrals. And in the BBC interview before that, the Archbishop of Canterbury was said, now how is it going to be 
that you, you can't celebrate Easter because of all of this lockdown. And Justin Welby replied, saying, you know, we, we are grateful for our buildings. And we think it's wonderful to have them, all the, the architecture and history there. But we don't really need church buildings at all. Because the church is the community of God's people. One person wrote to me quite an uh, irritated letter saying, why did you close the church? Why didn't you defy the government? Why, didn't, why did you close the church? I said, I, 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 why did you? I said, I didn't. You can't close the church. <laughs> the building may be closed, but the church never closes. You see, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, death, virus, COVID, inept politicians, persecutors, will never close the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church that belongs to him. And it's about us and him in relationship together. I thank God that when even Anglicans, when I say that, I'm talking about their tradition is often very much based and centered in, in, in buildings and cathedrals, as is most of Christianity, quite frankly. But there was no purpose-built Christian church for hundreds of years from the very beginning. And we have understood that the church is about our relationship with each other and relationship with Jesus Christ. That, <laughs> maybe in a year or two, this will make more sense and may, we'll see whether it is actually true or not. But I think we are going through a reformation in our understanding of what it is to love God to stand with one another in community. Mm. So maybe only later can you look back and say, you know what, I, I wouldn't want to go through that again, but I thank God what I found, the treasures I found when I was down and out and low and frustrated and anxious. You know what I experienced during that time? I pushed my roots down deeper into God. And now look at the fruit that has come in my life. All right, the answer came. And what was the, what was the answer? The angel said, listen, understand this. You have absolutely no reason to divorce Mary because this has not been the interference of a third party. She's not had an affair. She has not been immoral. God has worked a miracle in her womb, and she is going to give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, we read that so easily because we hear it, every year and every time it comes around in our daily Bible readings. But understand what's happening here. Joseph was said, I'm going to, Joseph was thinking of divorcing Mary and disowning her son. And God said, do the very opposite. Stick to her closer than ever before. She's going to need you. You have a vital role to play. And also, 
you are not going to reject the son of Mary. You are going to adopt him as your own. Now, Jesus was born of a virgin, born of a woman. He was not born of a man. This had nothing to do with uh, the male gender of our species. This was God working a miracle by the Holy Spirit. And we know that way throughout his life, Jesus lived with the stigma of illegitimacy in the background. They criticized Jesus. We were not born of immorality. So that story hung on and he threw away the shame and said, I'm going to obey God and I am going to name him Jesus. Now, when this means you are going to adopt him as your own. That's what it means. It's not saying, oh, well, here's a good name you can call him. You, Joseph, you will name him Jesus. You will adopt Jesus. Uh, and, and also what that means is, is, a, is an underlining of something that had already become clear. Well, that was already made clear by Matthew in the genealogy. Mary's pedigree and now Joseph's pedigree. And the angel says, Joseph, son of David. What does that mean? It means that Joseph was of royal descent. And Jesus was born in the royal city of Bethlehem. Here is Matthew saying, look at the credentials of Jesus. He is not some obscure prophet from the remotest part of northern Galilee, that tiny village way up there. In fact, all of Matthew's story here, narrative is to show his own fellow Jews that Jesus fulfilled messianic prophecies and that he was a son of David. So now Jesus is overtly adopted into the royal family. He is also now clearly exhibited as a son of David, the son of David. It was one of his titles that many people could not deny because of his lineage via Mary, but the adoption by Joseph. And so Joseph takes a decision and he chooses to obey the angel of God. If he'd been devastated and broken, hurt beyond description, now Mary's name is cleared. He's un he understands what has happened. I, I think Mary might have tried to explain, but you know, husbands don't always listen to their wives, except this one. I'm always listen to my wife. I don't always do what she says, but I always <laughs> listen. But now this is a confirmation from God and he must have been so happy. Wow, she did not betray me. Then he must have been in awe of what all this meant. I don't think for one moment that Joseph was able to comprehend the length and the breadth, even the outcome of this story. But he knew enough at that time that he had a part to play in the great story of God and it worked together with his heart. Isn't that wonderful? I want to promise you something. Listen carefully. When you surrender to God and obey him, 
and follow him, even if at that moment it seems counterintuitive. It seems as if he's cutting across your hopes, your dreams and aspirations. Hang in there because after a while, you will discover that going God's way is the best way and God's way for you corresponds to the deepest longings of your thirsty soul and God alone can satisfy. Nothing else can substitute for that. No job, no relationship, no amount of money, no amount of position. None of these things is sufficient to meet and to fill the God-shaped hole in your heart in your life. And so Joseph stepped out and became the guardian, we call the holy family, the guardian of the royal family. And as he simply plays out his role of father, I'm quite sure he trained Jesus how to make furniture. Just imagine if there was one piece of furniture that was around today that we could prove Jesus made that. I wouldn't mind having one of those. So Joseph steps up. He takes the situation and becomes the protector of Mary who God alone knows what she was feeling and going through. And there, in the fulfillment of God's promise, Joseph steps up, stands in the gap. And we don't hear of anything else that he did. We don't hear him rising to the heights of religious position, political power, great wealth. I mean, we don't read that he had a yacht in the Caribbean. But every calling is a holy calling and is called to fulfill a role of fatherhood to his adopted son and his dear wife, Mary. He had become the custodian of the gospel. And what Joseph did has impacted generation after generation after generation. So that even today, in talking about him, we feel the benefit of a man of God who put his feelings on one side and obeyed the Holy Spirit.